Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the CSGO Hour. Today we're joined by uh, our wonderful guest, Ble. The uh, We talk a lot about having Megan being an expert or Miss being an expert on something when they really aren't, but we do have an actual expert in today. We're talking about a lot of cool stuff. Um, we're talking about, well, wow. I wouldn't call it cheating cool. Kids, don't cheat if you're going to be a top professional, especially if you're representing an underrepresented region. But we are talking about Optic India cheating scandal. We are talking about Epicenter. We are talking about Drake and going Red Reserve. We're talking about everything cool and fun going on in the CSGO community. But of course, first, what's been on top of our global offensive was the investigative report done by um, a writer known as Bren, um, him and Richard Lewis, and some several others collaborated on a report, pretty much detailing uh, a lot of stuff that went down in the Indian scene, whether it's uh, some, I guess you want to call it collusion going on. Maybe throw that one word around. Um, but how do you feel about this whole situation? Uh, well, it's kind of messy, isn't it? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of unfortunate as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like the previous time India was on the, uh, on the esports radar on the news radar was when there was this event in 2012 called IGC, which was a complete like scam event and Moscow five played there. I think Dosha was there and they got scammed and there was a massive uh, shit fest to put it very bluntly. So I think, um, from what I've noticed, like I'm from India as well, so I've just been noticing like the uh, it's just kind of had my hand on the pulse, my fingers on the pulse of the of the the community around here, and most of them are just really, really pissed off that you know the only time India seems to be in the news and esports is when something bad goes down, right? So, but keeping all all of that aside, I think it's pretty uh, I think it's a pretty simple story. It's one guy who managed to slip through the system, uh, which wasn't really stringent i guess no one was really expecting him to do something this insane and let's be honest like cheating on land and hundred thousand dollar land on stage that's freaking insane um and i think it's people being kind of shocked at just the sheer baldness of this guy and of course you know uh, a lot of things coming to light right now like about how he managed to make his way in and you know uh, i saw a couple of reports as well where some of them were like uh, the players knew about it uh, the guys who played with him and of course optic themselves said that the other four players are innocent. So a lot of he said, she said going on right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, um, it's probably the last time I remember Indy on like the scene was probably Team Wolf from 2014, Cologne, mm -hmm. I would yeah. say. So, I mean, not, I guess, uh, not a total, I guess, uh, shit show, I guess, over there. But I think it's interesting where India is a pretty big economy in terms of like amount of people it has. You would think they have a pretty vibrant-ish tech scene, I guess. So I would, I would kind of surprised that India hasn't broken into esports sooner. Is there any reason why you think that is, or? Uh, there's a lot of reasoning. There's a lot of reasons behind that, right? Like, firstly, obviously, uh, it, it, you need to have a very solid middle class to like really, you know, grow, so to speak. And if you look at the Western world, so to speak, right? If you look at uh, Europe, if you look at NA, uh, most of the guys who break out. Let's be honest, right? Most of most of the kids get out of uh, get out of their home. They they move on to college or they find a job or whatnot once they're like 17, 18, and they can pretty much do what they want. They want to go pro, they go pro. If they want to balance their life, they do it. Uh, unlike that in the East, uh, not just in India, but in South Asia, in parts of Southeast Asia and whatnot, most of the people, there's still a very uh, traditional family structure, so to speak. People don't really move out. People, you know, they finish a schooling, they go to college and whatnot. They don't really have independence, so to speak, in uh, going on with whatever they want to do, like if they want to go pro in esports and whatnot. So I think there's a lot of cultural uh, bias, I'd say, against something like esports, because traditionally, when it comes to India, it's been a very traditional country when it comes to education. Like, yeah, you got to finish your education, get an engineering, be a doctor, you know, pick up some of the more stable um, 
job, so to speak. So that's one aspect. Second aspect, of course, would be infrastructure. It's a massive country, of course. Uh, there are places which are really cities which have really uh, grown, so to speak, like Mumbai, Bangalore, Delhi, a couple other cities as well. But overall, if you look at the country as a whole, there's still a lack of infrastructure when it comes to a good internet connection, when it comes to uh, places where you know people can afford a powerful computer or go to a cafe which has good systems and whatnot. So it's a, it's a combination of various things altogether. And also the fact that it is kind of an isolated region where eh, there has never been any esports success, right? If you look at, for example, if you look at Ukraine back in 2010, uh, before 2010, there was nothing from Ukraine. Like no one really knew about any big teams. There were a few CS players and teams. It was only when Navi came in and then it started beating everyone, including, you know, Fnatic with Forrest and Get Red and all of those guys and MTW. And they had that huge year of success. That's when people started taking notice. And that led to Ukraine currently being, you know, kind of a powerhouse in esports. And then they had the Dota team and all that. And I think that's what uh, we're missing right now. The fact that there's no success story and Optic coming in, that was supposed to be a success story, right? Optic, I think from a... I know they're having a lot of issues right with infinite and investments and their plans and whatnot but just looking at it i think it was a great idea because india is overall cheap to invest in right if you're going to invest in europe or na or any other country it's going to be pretty expensive here it's pretty cheap you don't have to spend too much money you know just setting up a boot camp getting a few getting five players together and you know all, all that stuff so investing in a team uh, a potentially decent team who could do some damage build the brand up get a fan following uh, that was a very low risk investment for Optic, but of course it didn't you know, quite pan out. Uh, but I think that's what happened. Everyone is very, very eager to see this team succeed. They were looking pretty good as well. Like keeping Forsaken aside, like uh, keeping his, you know, uh, his sheets aside, the team was looking pretty solid. They got an in-game leader from Germany, YB, who was doing a pretty good job with the rest of the team, the way they're approaching the game, like some of the strats. I casted quite a few of their games. I analyzed very, quite a few of the games and just looking at the, the way they're approaching the game, it was a far cry from... Uh, almost any Indian team I've seen so far, or for, for that matter, almost any you know South Asian team I've seen so far. So they were looking pretty good. I was excited. I personally was excited. I was like, you know, this might lead to something, and everyone's looking forward to that until this happens. So this is like a huge, basically, you know, slap in the face. And I think that's why we're seeing this entire uproar over, over this thing. If it was some other team, if it was just some other Indian team that's cheating in a local land, I don't think we'd have seen this level of outcry. I agree yeah. with that. I think I did watch some of the Indian games. Uh, I guess some of their like. I guess with smaller lands, because like when it's, you're on Optic, you see like, oh, Optic India is playing. I said, oh, okay, I might as well watch to see what it is. And I was like, you said, pretty, um, I guess, surprised or impressed. And they weren't like, it wasn't like, say, like, watching maybe like a Asian tournament, like where it's like Tai Lu, other than Tai Lu, teams don't play very well. They just tend to rush a lot of things. And it's looking like silver MG level matchmaking. It's like rough, but it was actually like some good structured Counter-Strike, which I was a little, a little uh, shocked to see, but I thought it was really interesting. I thought that they had a pretty good ceiling. They could went somewhere. I think the players still could go somewhere if they decide. But outside of Forsaken, obviously decided to team up. But I think um, it is definitely sad because like a region like that of the big success story, you could see a lot more investment into the scene and maybe like a tournament there, like ESL one, maybe even or IEM, like we had IEM Shanghai. So um, it is a shame, I guess, to see that happen. But unfortunately, that does happen when you have, I guess, some of the more lax standards now. Why do you think that he was able to kind of get, get away, almost get away with it? Because of what I've been reading, he's been cheating for a while now. So why do you think he was able to like pass? Like I think it was so strong because like the big uh, like as tournament organizer there. So why do you think he was able to get past all that like anti cheat stuff? All right. So 
uh the thing with this guy was he kind of came out of nowhere right he right. just kind of came out of nowhere who's like uh playing pugs and like destroying everyone and whatnot and a couple of people found him they're like all right you know this guy looks pretty promising right he, he's pretty solid and uh i think let me remember it's like 2016 17 and there were uh rumors and here's the thing right you're talking about india you're talking about asia where people just sell steam accounts and buy it like i'm sure even some of the some of the professional semi-professional players uh in in the region have uh have bought new accounts i mean have sold accounts and whatnot right so it's really hard to really keep track of what's happening over here there's no regulation so to speak so this guy got found out uh and they picked him up i think he even played for a team like the, the team called shooting monkeys then later on he played with a team called semper x uh, there were rumors of him cheating. There were clips floating around. But look, I stand by the fact that, you know, clips, no matter how suspicious they are, unless he's like flagged by an anti-cheat client or, you know, some files are found, you really can't ban someone. I mean, look at the case of Rops, right? Like we had players like JW for crying out loud calling uh, calling out that he's cheating. But, you know, they had to like take him down to the uh, to the face it uh, HQ, you know, make him play and whatnot and figure that out unfortunately there's no infrastructure like that in in india right now to make that happen so people kind of start, some people gave him the benefit of the doubt and even some of the uh, the pros they picked him up uh, there's a team called semper x consisting of uh, quite a few veterans in the scene they picked him up uh, they played a couple of lands with him and that's when uh proof came out that there was an account which he played on earlier which had a vac ban uh then he got a two-year ban after which i think someone uh, he appealed and then ESIC reduced it to six months because uh, there was no proof that the VAC ban happened when he was owning the account. Like he had sold it already and then later on uh, the account got a VAC ban, right? So for six months, he was kind of gone from the scene. He didn't play anywhere. Uh, he was, I think, just playing some matchmaking or like streaming and whatnot uh, until he comes back. And that's that kind of coincided with, um, with the Optic tryouts happening, right? So... Guy came over here, and he also mentioned in his. Uh, I just went through his uh, his confession or his statement rather that he didn't cheat at the uh, at the at the tryout, so to speak. Because uh, I was there at tryouts as well. There were like like close to like two hundred people over there. It was almost impossible for anyone to try and be sneaky there. There were too many people watching. And uh, despite that, he got uh, he got picked up. Uh, the decision was made by Optic, to the best of my knowledge. Optic India. They were like, uh, I think they were given the entire lowdown. All right, this guy does have a kind of a shady past. He was banned by ESIC, uh, but then he came back. But in the end, the decision was made by by Optic to uh, to pick him up because you know at that point there was no proof, and uh, he played quite a few online games. Uh, his teammates seems to be they seem to be unaware of what happened. He himself has said it, and I actually know a couple of the other players pretty well and. To me personally, I feel very unlikely, but to be, to be very honest right now, I don't know who to really believe, right? But uh, he supposedly cheated for uh, most of the online games. On LAN, he even cheated in a couple of LANs recently. And that that is because of the fact that uh, in India, at least, there's never been, or at least uh, there's never been a, a case where someone's actually cheated on LAN. The thing is, if someone comes on LAN and plays, it's like, yeah, the guy's legit, right? And when he came on LAN and he played with... Uh, with Optic India, I think it was. Let me remember here. He, he they played a couple of small, smaller local lands. After which they played the uh, the Extremes Land uh, qualifier, the the one which they qualified for in Shanghai, and then of course later they played the ESL India Premiership, the most recent one. Um, so once he showed up on land and he played there, everyone was kind of like me included. We we're like, all right, this guy actually seems legit, right? Like, what is 
why would anyone continue to cheat? Even if he was cheating earlier, which he was, but why would he continue to cheat? He's got a gig. He's got one of the most rarest job opportunities in, in the entire country to be paid money to play a video game, right? Most people would kill for that. And he, he gets and he continues to cheat. So I, I think it was people uh, being too blinded by by him and some people being like, you know, all right, we've actually found someone uh, who is looking like the best player in the country right now and people are just being salty about it or people are just in denial. So I think it was a lot of a lot of people at fault here. A lot, the system wasn't really in place as well for someone to, you know, uh, for someone to really, really take advantage of. And that's what he did. He saw the flaw and he took advantage of it, lied to a lot of people, convinced the Optic India management and a lot of people that, hey, you know what? Yeah, I was selling accounts back in the day, but I'm, I'm cleaned up now. I've served my time. You know, I just want to make it happen. And yeah, I mean, lots of flaws in the system, which he took advantage of. And right now, all we can do, and I hope, I mean, the good thing here is that hopefully these things will be fixed going ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of angles to this, like you're talking about. And one of them that I find quite interesting is the one that was mentioned in the VPE Sports article is that the whole optic angle of it, where supposedly the former coach, now in-game leader of the team, said to them, you know, I refuse to continue to play in this team if Forsaken is going to continue to play. It's either him or me, mm-hmm. basically kind of a situation like that. But then Optic still choose to ignore that whole deal and mm-hmm. let him play mm-hmm. still. Like, I, I don't really understand how that can happen. Yeah, that that is. I've heard of that as well. But from the one, the the bit which I heard again, it's all hearsay, right? Like I, I personally don't know if it really happened or not. From what I heard, was that uh, uh, YB, that is the in-game leader, uh, ex, uh, I apologize, in-game leader. Uh, he was a little wary. He was a little suspicious of it, and he spoke to uh, he spoke to the manager, and they confronted him. From what I'm aware of, they confronted him, and he managed to explain it. So this is what happened. So he he, he was playing with a I forgot what mouse it was, some weird mouse, and uh, he was like, "You can try it out yourself." You know that there is a uh, there's some weird jittery movement with the mouse. You can try it out. You can Google it, and they actually Googled it. They found that this particular mouse there have there actually been threats that this mouse is a problem, uh, and then YB got uh, pacified. He was like, "Okay, f- fair enough." You know, and and this was like the early days of the the boot camp, like the first or second week. After which it was like, oh, okay, it seems fine, and they carried on. But again, this is all hearsay, so even I can't really vouch for this. It's crazy. Yeah, it's you pretty. Think about it. Too many people talking, and to be honest, I don't think there's any proof apart from a few statements here and there. Like it's who you want to choose to believe at this particular juncture. It's pretty crazy that dude managed to trick his whole team and the whole community too and get through a whole ESL tournament of cheating. I mean, there's also, I mean, you see it in the past with the flush eclipse where everyone is like, oh, he's cheating for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. What should we do about it? So it's kind of hard to tell in these situations, you know, what you should do as a team because this whole notion where I remember when Kaylee and a lot of French players got banned, Valve were like, oh, we're going to throw the entirety of Titan out of the major because since they were playing together, obviously they must have known. But that's not always the case. And I can't necessarily blame the Optic players for not for not knowing about this. But then there's this whole angle, of course, where we don't know if they were 
aware or not. We don't know if they were aware, but we also don't know if the if this whole situation where they said, "Oh, it's either him or us," was true or not. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd fault them. I would definitely fault the optic management a bit because I mean, you see all of these stories coming up about this guy. You know, whether it's in his past with the whole account boosting and trading and the, some of those getting back banned, whether it's the whole, you know, his own, like, there are other players speaking out against this guy or whether it's people in the scene speaking out against him. And the optic management, they've already had some scandals in the past. Well, not scandals per se, but maybe what you'd call mismanagement with this whole infinite situation with them taking over where uh, maybe it's maybe they should have been a little bit more careful with this one mm. i i do agree uh i think like the entire like just talking about optic overall right they expanded real quickly it was like uh, they were doing multiple projects at the same time right uh and unfortunately for optic india in particular like there was an entire you know the firing spree that happened in infinite and i think they were just looking for an excuse to shut this down to be very honest and it just presented itself right now and they've basically just cut to i don't think i've seen a single tweet or any uh, comment from the official optic channels or even their twitter account from what i've seen all i've seen is the optic india uh the tweet which they made where you know they're like we're letting the team go and uh that's about it right um so i guess yeah uh Firstly, the expansion, the, the, the funny thing is at, it could have worked out in India. Like if, if Forsaken wasn't a factor, like if he wasn't there, the rest of the team, even if he'd got like a, a random fifth from the scene, like any of the other players playing, um, this team could, I really feel could have worked out. And, and bear in mind, there were a couple of players who I remember were selected uh, for the Optic lineup, but they had ongoing contracts with a couple of existing teams in the scene right now, who are right now the second best team or the best team right now in the country. So they could make it. So many things could have gone you know, that way as well. Like they could have been picked up and this team I really felt could have done a lot of damage and could have potentially, despite Infinite having all these issues right now, I think Optic India could have still remained a thing for uh, for a while, despite the issues with the parent company. Uh, but after this happened, it was kind of like, yeah, we're just going to cut this one out. Do you think that given the right money that Havoc might have joined this team or do you think he would uh, stay in the uh, UAE? Uh, I... That's a, that's a pretty tricky question, right? So from what, at least from uh, from Optic's angle, they were looking to, you know, obviously have that entire big tryout and all that, right? Uh, I, I don't think, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know if, if Havoc was approached, but personally speaking, I think he's more comfortable playing uh, amongst his uh, amongst his other teammates in the, in the Emirates. I mean, the, the guy lives there, right? He's been living there for a long time. Even though he is Indian, he's more, I would say he's more, Emirati is more from the UAE than from India, to be very honest. Okay. Like, if you've spoken to him, if you met him, uh, and yeah, I, I maintain that he's he's the best Indian player, even though he doesn't live in the country. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I was wondering because I mean that's only like I guess like not notable, I guess, but it's like the best. Like you said, the best Indian. Player. Figured maybe Optic might go out for a big splash. Say, hey, here's a lot of money. Help you know help us like develop the scene maybe, but you know. Yeah, um, I, I don't think they were really going to like looking forward to invest like crazy amounts of money. I mean, this was right. an experiment, right? This is more like, hey, True. here's an untapped market, 1.3 billion people. Esports yeah. isn't really a thing yet, right? But if it does explode, if it does really click, we're going to be the first yeah. org here, you know, get yeah. all the fan following and all that. So yeah. I, I don't think they were really looking to invest that much money, you know, picking up big okay. players. That makes sense. 
because like same thing with Brazil, we got the female team there, but like mm-hmm. I guess they can't like seed the whole region to um just the MIBR, so it makes sense what they do. But then you have them like they still haven't announced Nico as their fifth officially, which is like insane. And it's like we all know he's gonna be the fifth. Why don't you just announce him because they have all that whole infinite like I guess issues there. So it's a sad thing. That's more I guess more of the org itself than I would say like you said the Indian players because they could have definitely found like I said a random fifth. Because there's other good players at that um, invitational, or I guess you want to call it the tryout. So, but they just said, well, bye. And it's and it's sad because, like, you know, they definitely deserve better than that. But, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a sad thing right now, right? Like, obviously. Never knew he was cheating. I get where people are coming from, right? At the same time, uh, forsaken himself he was like none of these guys were aware of it you know uh, i did it very quietly he himself said it so like would you really believe and it's just unfortunate because i personally f- feel like a couple of these players like marzel like antidote i think they're really solid yb he came in all the way from germany to live here to make something work with you know to make a name for himself to try and make something uh, happen with this team they did put in a lot of work and it's just so unfortunate that one rotten apple had to just ruin everything mm-hmm. for sure. yeah for sure but, I think the whole interesting thing about maybe the Indian scene or the Asian scene in general is is a guy like YB coming out there, a German player coming out to coach at first and then in-game lead the team. I'm kind of surprised that we don't see that more where we see um, maybe, you know, say a guy like Pronax, for example, who's maybe mm-hmm. not going to play at the <laughs> top ever again. And he could come out to an Asian team, maybe teach them how to play and maybe, you know, teach them some of these fundamentals that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we don't see that more? Um, yeah, uh, that could be answered. One simple thing is in India, firstly, there are barely any orcs. Uh, there's one Oracle entity, entity uh, gaming. They are them. And then there's one, com- uh, one company called Signify, maybe two or three. And Signify doesn't even have a CSGO roster. They only have a Dota 2 roster, right? So like two or three teams can potentially afford someone to fly down until Optic came in, right? And YB actually has a history in India. He actually played Source. Uh, he, his parents were stationed in India for a while. I'm talking like five, six years back. Years back. And he actually played with some of the uh, the old school Source guys in the country and which is why he has he had an affinity with the country and he was like yeah that's cool you know i don't mind coming back just to you know give this one a shot because he was just playing in like tier two in the tier two division in in germany at that time uh but just answering a question why other players don't come down is very simple like where did it go from there right i do agree certain players might at the end of their careers might be like hey you know what i can just probably go there and kind of finish my career like making a lot of money but then comes in how effective are they going to be because the language barrier is going to be a problem india most people actually speak English. They might not speak the best English, but they can communicate pretty pretty decently. Especially if you're playing Counter Strike, most of them can speak English to it at a very at a very conversational level. Um, you look at China. Well, good luck. Good luck finding a team who's going to understand what you're talking about. Then you're talking even <laughs> the rest of Southeast Asia. The Thai guys don't speak English, and the the second, third, and fourth best team in Southeast Asia are Thai teams. The only, the only other team would be Boot Dreamscape, who have uh, DSN, who's kind of like the analyst slash coach. Um, and then who else? The MVP PK, they all, they're all Koreans. I know um, Mini Zeta, he speaks English, but that's him alone. The rest of them are like, you know, old school guys. Uh, and they don't speak English as far as I'm aware. Barely speak a word of it. And we saw the entire Peacemaker experiment with Tai Lu as well. He struggled trying to make anything happen there. So I think it's 
probably the the language barrier number one and number two we had players like Fetz for example he was standing in not standing in he was actually playing him and another player a Russian player I forget his name they were actually playing in a uh, in five power as a uh, it was kind of like a mixed lineup there was a there was Fetz there was uh, the Russian player and there were a Chinese a Mongolian and a Thai player. That fell mm-hmm. apart real quickly. Uh, he played there. You can you can look at Five Power's old, older rosters, like a year back or something. And he, he was just having a fun time, just destroying everyone. That guy is very talented, right? But I, at a point, he realized, sure, I'm making money, but I'm not really progressing my career. I'm just wasting months, maybe years here, without really, I'm not going to be seeing anything crazy. Because obviously, when you have a, a roster like that, you're going to have to communicate in English, and it's not going to be optimal. And then you're obviously going to be facing off against the likes of a Tyloo or a Cyberzen or a Vici, who, sure, you might be individually better than each of those players on those other teams, but they can at least speak the same damn language and they're going to beat you time, you know, nine times out of ten. So I think that's the main reason why you won't see any younger players coming down there, even though they will have offers from the Chinese teams because they do have a lot of money. Uh, the coaching side of thing is, yeah, the language barrier, because as a coach, you would want to go there and try to make something happen, right? But when there's so many things working against you, is it really worth it? Right. That's a good point. Now, actually, to note on that five-power lineup, I just looked it up. It's uh, There was a Thai player, a Chinese player, Vovkin from Russia. Vovkin, yes. Yeah. Fetch is Estonian, and Crazy Guy is Vietnamese. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's something else. And, like, you see a lot, I guess, from Asia, like Mon- Mongolian uh, machine gun came to Splice, but I didn't do very well. Or you might have saw Bondik went to, uh, went to Tailu. Yeah with peacemaker yeah. that was that was an interesting experiment so we do see a lot of that kind of like the journeyman back and forth because china has a lot of money but not always works out that well so and of course the language barrier is a very significant issue even yeah. overwatch league where you have like shanghai dragons where they brought in um the uh, korean uh, off tank uh, kaguri she speaks korean they speak chinese different language so yeah don't yeah. bring up that team <laughs> <laughs> Did they ever win a game at the end? No, they oh, went no. up. They oh, that's, blew it. That's just ouch. But and yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you go. go on. Oh well, sad part is with that is like the Chinese team is very deep in and actually in Overwatch, but like they didn't get the best team for whatever reason. I don't understand why. And there's good prospects there. There's a lot of scene politics, so just that was interesting. Oh yeah, uh, the politics are are pretty insane. Like. Yeah. Getting like for example to be to to make a super team in China, it's possible, right? You can probably pick up right. a, a bottle, attacker, whatever. But there's so many politics, so much of politics involved, and by uh, and the orgs literally own the players. They're like contract law is a joke over there. It's very different. It's very hard. And just to like answer the question as to like why Asia struggles overall, right? It's very easy to say, oh, the comms are bad. They don't have tactics. Blah blah blah. It's I I personally feel, and I've spoken about this in the past as well. It's the fact that there was no real tra- transition from 1.6. The source was never that big. It was kind of big in Singapore, but that's about it. Uh, there was no real transition from 1.6 to CS:GO. There were like two or three years in which all the 1.6 pros. I'm talking about like the Korean guys, the Chinese guys. They kind of retired. They kind of stopped playing, right? And they went on to other games, or they just went on to the industry. And every almost everyone who plays CS:GO right now in Asia, they're pretty much starting from scratch. These are all kids whose first uh, version of Counter Strike is CS:GO, so they're pretty much like starting from scratch. There's no one to really guide them, tell them how the game actually works as a team game. All they look at is they look at all, all these, uh, you know, they look at people like Scream, like Simple, like Nico, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I want to be that. I want to be flashy and fast, and they are fast. They are flashy, but they don't have 
uh, four other similar-minded people or players who want to, you know, really play the game the way it's supposed to be played. So no one really tries to be an in-game leader. No one really tries to be, you know, uh, a support player or something like that. Everyone tries to be the star player. And that's the problem over here. There's no one who really, who can really teach this current generation who never really stayed back from this current from the previous generation like how to go about things look at mvp pk right they have solo and uh i think glow's playing the team right now yeah i mean these two guys were playing against the best in the world in 2006 right they've beaten like so, so many like top eight teams uh back in the day uh at one point they were in my opinion like a top five top four team perhaps for you know in some of this uh a few months here and there back in 2007 eight these guys retired for like four years uh, because, of course, they had the compulsory army training and all in Korea, right? They come back. They're like 30 years old now. They come back, and in two years right now, they're the second best team in Asia. And two of them are like veterans, like super old, right? And they picked up a couple of other Korean kids, and they're right now the second best team in Asia. And I want to see them play against Tyloo and Lan. I think they have a pretty decent chance of making of doing some damage as well. Just goes to show, like having all that experience and picking up a couple of young players, they're able to build a team as good as that. While if you look at all the other teams, like Dreamscape, like the Thai teams, like Beyond and Alpha Red and all these other guys, they don't have that. They don't have that, you know, any player with some legacy teaching them how things are supposed to be done. And I think that's where Asia really failed. EU had that. Europe had that. Like, look at Nip and all these other guys, right? You had the young blood. You had the old school guys. Even in NA, you had a lot of people coming in from, you know, 1.6, you know, who managed to continue their legacy, so to speak. Like, nothing you had. You had nothing. You had Sean Garris. You had quite a few players here and there. Not as much as EU, but NA at least had infrastructure as well. Uh, in Asia, there's nothing like that. Everything is so spread apart. Like, the Thai teams, they only play amongst themselves. The... Uh, Chinese guys, although they're opening up now, you know, after picking up Ben Ted and Excurit, so that's a good sign. But I mm. think it's, you know, we're still getting there. It's going to take time. For sure. But one thing that will not take time will be Epicenter, as um, we are seeing the group go pretty quick. Um, so far, we've had Group A, FaZe, Navi, Ents, and Hellraisers, and Group B, Liquid, Nip, Avangar's Hole Patrol. I think it's fair to say Liquid had the easier group in this situation. And so tomorrow we have a big match, uh, Phase Navi. It'll be a fun uh, little best of three there. And along with, I believe, Wood and Avangar. See what you say, right? And so, um, uh, how do we feel about Mist? I'll start with you. How do we feel about the group so far? Uh, so, yeah, Soul Patrol just got knocked out. Pretty disappointing. But it goes to show you that I'm yet again right with my predictions to you both. Saying VP could beat him, not a chance. <laughs> can we touch on that? Because that's actually really depressing. Yeah, we we can talk. You want to like, talk about it? VP losing to Swirl Patrol to make the group stage is like, like terrible. I mean, here's my here's my thing with that though. Like VP, they've been okay. on a downswing. I remember when I remember watching like say ESL One New York 2016, and I remember actually being scared of like an NA team playing VP. Even like the major optic when they were like in hot form at E League Atlanta and they lost to VP say 16-14. I said we're never gonna beat VP in, in North America. And now anybody from North America, including Swole Patrol, who's not even a top five team in America, which is sad, beat VP so on land. So it's like I don't understand <laughs> what happened to VP anymore. Maybe the mafia money ran out. I don't know what happened really. <laughs> but uh right now they they might need to buy all Mercedes. I don't know what they really need, but Taz is doing better than them technically because they want to land with some decent teams at it. Uh, Kingwin, 
And Ego, they're iffy. They're really iffy right now. So They're kind of dying, too. Yeah, but it's Tomax. pretty sad that VP is yeah. the third best team in Poland because it's not a very deep scene. It never really has been. That's the thing with VP is they actually used to be the NA killers <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> you'd see them against Cloud9 on Team Liquid and you'd just be like, well, this is it. We can finish this series. And now if you saw that yeah. matchup, you'd just say, well, we can finish this series, but it's going the other way. And that's just what what's weird to me about VP is that I don't know what the point of this team even is anymore because okay you got Pasha and Neo in there who you know they have the big brand of the being the old school players Pasha obviously has a massive following with mm -hmm. his when he used to stream a lot and all of that whole deal but oh. in terms of like being an actual pro team okay they have Snatchy who's really good that they got from a go obviously Miku I think he's a bit up and down he's obviously doing a lot of entry fragging for the team and then the rest, Pasha is like the definition of up and down. And he's more mm -hmm. down than up as of late. Morels, I don't really see how he's a good player. I haven't really seen anything from him to indicate that he is even like a top 10 player in Poland. And then Neo has obviously been an absolute disaster individually for the last like year. There's this post on Reddit recently that he hadn't gone positive at an event since like November last year, and that's yeah. just the state of VP. I, I agree with that. It's just um, the issue is, I guess their whole they, they, the way they transitioned um, when they broke the lineup was very very bad. Like instead of normally you would say, all right, we want to re refigure a whole roster, you wouldn't do it the way they did. They just did one piece at a time. And they're replacing him with the wrong piece, in my opinion. And so now you have like this weird mishmash Frankenstein roster where Neo hasn't been positive HOT ranking, I think, since November. Yeah. So yeah. that's rough. And they should have just said, all right, this roster's working out. Let's all kind of like just blow up the roster and then re-piece it together piece by piece and bring together five. Instead, they said, all right, we'll drop you. You leave. We'll put somebody else in here. And they put like square pegs in round holes. And so you can't do that. Yeah, I'm curious where they go from here, to be honest, because it's, I mean, you're getting to the stage where you're losing, to, you're getting to the stage where you're losing to Swole Patrol on LAN, and okay, credits <laughs> to Swole Patrol, they, I mean, they're, they're not a good. bad, they're not a bad team, we saw them on Nuke today against uh, NIP, they actually yeah. gave them a pretty good game, only lost 14-16, I mean, they got destroyed by Liquid, but, I mean, like, Liquid are on a different level right now. But what, if you're VP and you used to be the best team in the world, you can't be losing to Swole Patrol on LAN. And you're looking at a team right now in VP who needs, like, they need, like, three roster changes to make this team good. So I don't know if they just end up, you know, saying, you know, this is it. We are going to let everyone go. Let's pick, go to a different region, pick up a different team. Maybe that's no. what you need to do at this point. Try to see us all together. I don't think you just picked up Space Soldiers. Before mm. SK did so, yeah. I mean, I thought SK, I think SK wasn't going to pick up Space Soldier. They said that's what I heard. That they're not going back into CS:GO. I mean, it's like a weird. There's a lot of there's a lot of information there where it's like everyone's like, oh, it's definitely confirmed. And now they're like, yeah, we're not getting back to CS. I never really saw a source on that to be fair. So it's like, it's a weird situation. I would love to see SK pick up Space. I think VP getting that would have been very smart because. It's not that 
well. I mean, culturally, they are pretty different, Turkey and Poland. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, being European, they're not far off from there. So I guess it would make, well, ish, you know? So, I mean, Turkey's not like Middle East. It's more European, technically, I guess. Depends on who you ask. But that would have been a pretty good pickup because they actually had, they could actually do something on land-ish. Like, they have had, they've won some lands before. They can have, they have some upsides. Whereas this current roster has literally zero ups. And there's no other viable region really to buy into, like NA. There's nothing to buy into there. The CIS, you could buy like a Vega squadron maybe and say, all right, we're taking you out. Maybe put one of our players on there or something like that. You could have a good roster there because Vega squadron have actually performed outside of the major. But other than that, you know, it's hard. Even China, like you said, it's a rough scene, a lot of money there already. So mafia money is no good there. So, you know, you got to think where you can stretch your dollar out the most. You I think the CIS. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Not everyone at once. I think the CIS one is a good option because you see Virtus Pro traditionally as well is a CIS organization. What yeah. you see, they have a Russian team in Dota 2. Obviously, they had a Russian team in the past in CSGO. So you even have free agents out there in the CIS scene right now in Adrenaline Hobbit, where yeah. if you say you can put them on, take some Vegas Squadron players or some Avangar players. Put Adrenaline Hoppet on a team like that, and now you're suddenly looking at a team who can actually challenge at the top 10 instead of just this VP team who can, can't even challenge at the top 30. <laughs> right. I like, that, I like that idea. I didn't even think about that. I figured, when I think of Adrenaline Hoppet, I think they're going right to a Navi, or at least Adren, at least Adren. But then again, Navi might win this land, and then they'll say, well, Edward can stay another year, or two, or five. And, you know, simple, we can keep breaking his back until the old horse gives out. And so Navi will continue to be broken. So we'll see. Yeah, it's actually incredible the amount of talent that's out there in the CIS region at the moment. I mean, you see yeah. Avanga at this tournament have already beaten Nip. You see a guy like Jamie, or Jame, whatever you want to call him, turned out to be actually a good player once he didn't have to in-game lead anymore, at least in this series. And you see a guy like, I really like... Uh, Kaikert on this team as well. He's a really mm -hmm. aggressive player. Wow. I mean, obviously, the Vegas squadron guys at Star Series, they made it all the way to the finals. There's definitely a lot of talent in the CIS yeah. scene that you could make, I mean, a couple of teams around. X win strike. Uh, yeah, do they have some yeah. okay players as well? The best players don't win strike, though, so it's rough. Is... So, mm -hmm. the actual epicenter, though, is just uh, kind of the point of this, I guess. But um, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I guess, well, okay, we'll do predictions, I guess, because, you know, it's a weird, it's a really smaller playoff than, I guess, traditional tournament. Then again, it's not because there's three teams together groups. I don't like that whatsoever, but, you know, it's not my job. So we'll start with Bleh, and then we'll go Mygen and Mist, and I'll do last. Well, who do we think is going to win and play second episode? Hmm. I'm not sure about how the brackets are playing after the playoffs, but uh, is it uh, are Liquid and Navi on the uh, opposite side of the bracket? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't know yet if they if uh, Navi or Liquid lose in the winners match. If they, they finish control. first, they'll be on opposite. Yeah, but I don't see either of them losing, to be very honest. But uh, yeah, I think Liquid should take this. I know I might be jinxing them by saying this, but <laughs> this is an event they need to win, right? They really need to yeah. win this one. I mean, after losing to Mouse Sports, which is freaking insane like they should have not lost that game and now uh strauss isn't there you know the only right. the only problem here is going to be phase and navi of course that depends on which one's going to come out on top uh okay i think liquid's going to win 
But I think, uh, not Navi, I think FaZe are looking really, really dangerous right now, right? Like, it's almost like they have nothing left to lose. This is a team who needs to win. Like, their sole purpose of being created, like this Frankenstein monster of a team, is just to win tournaments. And right, this is an event where there's no Astralis, right? Uh, you have Navi, you have FaZe, you have Liquid. Navi are looking really, really shook up. Sure, they've been looking pretty decent here, but, uh, you know, they haven't really faced off against the big boys uh phase on the other hand they're looking pretty sharp but yeah i'm, I'm i think it's going to be liquid pulling this one off they've just looked flawless even with twist looking kind of kind of quiet everyone has just been insane yeah i definitely think you're right that this event is going to come down to team liquid and navi i mean my kind of a bit crazy thought going into this event was the face was just going to completely bomb it and finish last place in that group but that obviously hasn't happened they, like you say, they have nothing left to lose and they might just end up taking the whole event if they, you know, just fire on all cylinders. There's always that potential with FaZe where they can just, you know, outfrag everyone. But I don't think it's quite going to go that far. I think that it it is going to come down to Liquid and Navi. And I, I do really want to say Liquid, to be honest, because I really think that they... <laughs> They are due to get an event <laughs> at this point. They kind of deserve it, to be honest. They're really, Simple. they're really good teams to watch as well. But I have to say, Navi, because Liquid in finals, I can't, I can't make that prediction. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with my gut from last week. I'm still picking Phase over Liquid. Oof. Oof. All right. So I know so, we all know you're saying Liquid, Jamaican. Yeah, we all know. So basically, all right. I said preface. <laughs> so. So here's my issue, right? Epis Navi will be on home soil in, well, not all of them on home soil. Only uh, electronic, I guess. But, um, and flamey. And flamey. Flamey. And flamey. Can't forget. Much as I hate them, you can't forget. But um, they are on home soil, which I, I take that into big account. I know Miss doesn't. But I think Liquid, it's their time to shine. I feel bad for Taco. I feel bad for the whole team. I know Twist has some issues recently, but I think they're going to overcome them issues. And. We're gonna see Liquid go in three one. Happen. Hmm. You can just write it down now. Well, actually, because it's been wrong. But at some point, it has to come through. They can't just keep losing every time. They can, but they just can't. So. And they have to win this one. They're not going to the next CS Summit. What are they gonna win? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it like that. You make the best. They'll win three. No, it's true. No, it's kind of true though. I mean, they need to win something, or else I think they're mentally yeah. gonna break. I don't mm-hmm. think they're gonna lose the major. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they're already broken. <laughs> it's just a... yeah, because they're going to Chicago, but then so is Astralis and Phase and North and everybody else. Navi, now Energy, MIBR, all the good teams. United with FNS now. <laughs> Speaking of, um, United, good team. Yeah. Hey, hey, now I'm just trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to segue here, like you know, smoothly and talk, talking about E United at I am Chicago, winning three two over Cloud Nine in the online qualifier after. Funnily enough, it was Ace who got the sick play on train that won them that game to get to Chicago. They said, bye, Ace. We're kicking you for FNS. You want a proper in-game leader. And now they're going to have FNS Relics dazzled. No more Ace. So they're having Relics be the new opper. I would never call him a star opper. I've only seen him op in rank S. I don't think he'll stand up to like anybody that's good top tier one. So I don't think this is really a great move per se, but Relics was a, not a good IGL. So maybe if he could be a, they go and be five rifles for the most part, 
and then play off when they have to on CT side. Maybe they're a good, maybe they're a better team because Ice was definitely an up and down player, definitely not a land player. And FNS is a good tactical in game leader who definitely can make an impact on like making the team more tactical than they were. And instead of being like a more trash team, so now they're making me a, a decent team. So <laughs> look, I love United as an org. I know some good people over there. Uh, I love this team. You all know this, but let's be honest. Dream. I vouch for them going to DreamHack Montreal. And what did they do? Seventh through eighth. They couldn't beat anybody. It w- and they just looked bad doing it. Like, it was depressing to watch. It was rough. Like, on cash against, I want to say, Kinguin, they should have won that game. And they didn't because they choked so many. It was like they went around, they lose around, went around, lose around. They had no consistency. And that's because they had a lot of up and down players. Now, if they have stability, thanks to FNS, maybe they're a good team. Thoughts? I mean... Yeah. I saw a comment yesterday that United were quote underrated, and what I just read in my brain was that means they are young and from North America, so people from North America think they're underrated just because you know from the same region as them. So that's my thoughts in the United. I think it's a good move adding FNS. The only problem is that you might, like you said, have removed the wrong player because Relics isn't really an opera, but adding FNS I think is definitely a good idea. Adding a yeah. in-game leader who is actually an in-game leader, a real in-game leader who can come in and give them a bit more of a tactical edge. I think that's a really good idea. Feel free to chime in, whoever wants to. <laughs> I guess wow. United. Uh, I don't have much opinion on the United, you know that. I think, uh, like, FNS, like, was he playing in any team after he got removed from Cloud9? No, right? He was Cloud9 and he was benched. Yeah, he was benched. Before that was complex. Yeah. He really didn't have much time to really prove what he could do. And if you look at like if you look no. at all the NA teams of really, you know, recently this right out there. Hello? It... Hello, yeah, you cut out. Hill, and you had Rogue with uh, Kadian, albeit not not an NA player, but still right. I think that's what United really needs. I completely agree. I think uh I think adding FNS is great. Now the question remains was you know kicking ace and retaining relics the right call. But I, I don't think it, I think it'll be kind of irrelevant compared to the addition of FNS. I think the guy has a lot. Uh, he's proven a lot in the past as well. I think he can really make this team better than what they were earlier. Not just better, like you know, actually compete with. I don't think it reached a level of an NRG right now, but at least you know against like so. Let's say Ghost. Let's say uh, Rogue Swole Patrol. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> they won't reach the level of Swole Patrol. That's for sure. They were way too good. VP killers, man. Oh my. Stop. I saw. I think oh. Lander tweeted this. He was like, "Operation C9 Ace inbound." Uh, I mean, it's like a shittier fanatic right now, isn't it? Yep. Literally, <laughs> fanatic rejects at this point. Well, I mean, the issue is fanatic might be good if they drop, you know, exist for Hampus, but that's never good. Yeah, man can dream. <laughs> uh, speaking of the French, I mean, not the French. God, oh God. The Swedish scene. Uh, Draken will be joining Red Reserve, unfortunately. He's here Cloud9. Yeah, so he's now locking himself in the tower. Hopefully he doesn't need his children. <laughs> so we'll see. But um, Red Reserve, the team that was on the rise and then didn't do anything when they were on the rise, really. So then they sold all their good talent. Now they're on the decline. And now they're picking up Draken to give them a bit of a boost. Kid who had has had some success won IEM Oakland, 
um, was interviewed by me. So he had he had a lot of success in his <laughs> career. But <laughs> I can show you consider that's his peak. Dude, listen, I interview him the next day. He gets dropped by um, Fnatic. I mean, come on. <laughs> you should interview him again. You might save his career. <laughs> there we go. So I don't. I don't really see what events they're going to be competing at without reserve, um, because looking at lineup, would you invite them to anything besides like a Copenhagen games? I wouldn't. No. I mean, no. I feel uh, like Red Reserve FEMA are going to get to more events than they are. Drakens come for a circle. I mean, it's not a horrible team. It's Draken, Ampus, Radis, whoever Radifaction is. I don't know who that is. He's Norwegian uh, apparently. Freddie B and Disco Doppler are okay. Are okay. Uh, they haven't done shit when they had Twister, bro. And I remember, like early in the year, everyone's like, "You know what? Yeah. This this Swedish kid is insane." The hand he has Twist with him, and I think it was in, uh, uh it was a Starletter event early in the year at Betsnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Betsnet Masters. I was there. I saw them. I'm like, all right, they they look pretty decent. They had a couple of okay maps, but they just got shot on by uh, I think it was Hellraisers or by yep. North, right? They're not even close yeah. to being <laughs> at their level. And I'm talking about HR before, you know, they look this good, right? Or yeah. North before uh, MSL kind of got this shit together. When you lose like that, I mean, I mean, what the hell can you say? I think like for Draken, going to Red Reserve is like going to Purgatory. I think that's the Red Reserve is this team where all the Swedish rejects go there, you know, serve the time and then finally get pulled up by an okay team. You're not wrong, but don't tell Miss that because he loved that Red Reserve team. Oh, I love that team. And I told him they're not making out of groups. And guess what? They didn't make out of groups. When that happened, I won the bet. I didn't win anything, but I won the bet, and that made me so happy. Oh, come on, you have hope for Team Liquid every event, and how is that going? No, Cloud9, any any American team, practically. Plus, whoever, like, from Europe. But no, nah, dude. I mean, listen, listen, all right? It's rough, all right? it's We had one major, and that's about it. That's more than some regions can say, though at the uk region but you know it is what it is it's not it could be worse like here's the thing right at least north america gets like rejects from other like europe like look at rogue now they're getting msl a guy who couldn't get on optic when they had arguably some not in-game winning issues per se necessarily but (laughs) some could argue that you know their in-game winning might be an issue because they have good pieces but they're not being put together and then you have say Maybe MSL could have went to phase, but he didn't. So he's now on Rogue, which is a huge step down from North, I would say. Because you have people like Hiko and Sick on that team. And, like, it's just not a good team, per se. They had a decent run at the Major. They had a decent run at DreamHack Austin. But other than that, they haven't done anything on land. I don't see what Rogue is going to do in the future. Please help me um, I just want to get my Hampus this in because I I, okay. I didn't. Don't you dare! That's fair. That's fair. Because everyone, when everyone says that, oh, Hampus is the solution to the in-game leading issues in Sweden, all I say is just look at that red reserve team earlier this year. Supposedly, Broland and Twist were really good players, like Blair said. Then, if they also had a good in-game leader, they should be winning everything. Good players, good in-game leader. What more can you ask for? Because. They didn't have a good in-game leader. So that, that's just, that was just that. But in terms of MSL, I think uh, Rogue adding him is a really good move. I mm. have never particularly been a fan of Crystal. So I don't, there was this whole vote where they voted between Crystal and FNS as their in-game leader. I never understood why they chose Crystal per se. I don't... 
I haven't really, yeah, like I said, I've never been a fan of him. MSL, on the other hand, I am a fan of him. I think yeah. that he can really add something to this team in terms of like making them a lot more tactical than they've pretty much ever been, even when they had Cadian. The problem is that even with this change, they are still going to have firepower issues, I think. Because back when they had Cadian, he was a massive part of their firepower. He was actually one of the stars of the team, so to say. And now they only have really Sick and Rikke who are going to be their so-called star players. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure that's going to be enough. But adding MSL, I think it's a good move. But they might need one more change before you can say uh, Rogue is going to be at the top of NA. That's I agree. Sad. Yeah. Issue is with like Rogue, because like you look at the NA landscape, right? So number one's obviously Team Liquid. Number two is in con is energy, and then three, uh, it's like a meh. It's like you say complexity maybe for three, but they've been like trending downwards. And then four, I mean Cloud Nine, I don't consider as an NA team anymore because they're they have two Swedish, two American, but if there's a third Swedish or a third whatever European, and they're not American anymore, so you can't even put them in the, com the conversation. And so then after complexity at number three, would be like rogue technically and then swole patrol and then i'm probably missing somebody there but it's united. like united there you go yeah probably fourth or fifth so it's like a weird it's a weird at the top two it's top heavy at the top it's like oh you have some good teams and then once you get to third and below it's really like okay this is uh this is pretty rough so i think there's good it's just issue is even like firepower per se i'd say it's just in-game leading so maybe MSL says, all right, he finds a way to use Hiko in 2018. Power to him, you know? If MSL is <laughs> the next bragging offer, I, IGL, hey, I'm all on the train, okay? Call me uh, Wally Beetle. I am on the MSL hype train. Let us go to the top. I think uh, with MSL coming in, it's more about, like, let's take it from MSL's perspective, right? Yeah, it's a big right. step down and everything, but hey. He comes into a region where the orgs have money and yeah. there aren't that many in-game leaders. So for mm -hmm. him personally, if he can even do anything close to... Uh, if if he could get this rogue team to compete against the likes of uh, even a ghost or even like, let's say, um, not a United, like let's say NRG, maybe be a little competitive over there. I think he's done his job and I'm sure other teams are looking to pick him up. So from an individual perspective, I think this makes sense, this entire exodus of some of the uh, EU pros and especially in-game leaders, experienced people like MSL coming into NA where there are talent. There are, there are a lot of young young guns out there who haven't really been weaned properly under a structured system. I think he can do a lot of work. I don't see him remaining in Rogue for a long time unless, you know, they mm -hmm. make other changes and get a couple other players in. But him coming in is good for the NA scene overall. Oh, I agree. Because it's like there's no in-game leading. Like, it's interesting that one of the best in-game leaders in uh, North America is, is, like, trapped in the uh, he can't go to majors, a.k.a. Steel. Mm. So the, the king of the uh, sticky notes. So it's sad because Ghosts <laughs> are actually a decent team. Right? Those are balling, uh, man. <laughs> hey, I have nothing against them. Hey, whatever you got to do to win, I'm down for. Except if it's cheating, that's a different story. But hey, sticky <laughs> notes, I'm all up for it, right? And the Ghost is a low-key, like, sick team in NA. They have some good upsets on land. He's very smart tactically, and he knows that anti-threat teams well. But he can't go to a major, so he's stuck on Ghost with Kusta and Sabrosa. Wardell. Upcomers like Neptune and Wardell, yes, but then there's Kusta and Sabrosa, who are like, Kusta doesn't feel like an op half the time, and Sabrosa, well, baggage, and he's not that good. He's like Ocean, but can frag oh, a little bit. give it up. 
Like Can I just say how ridiculous it is that apart from the I in Katowice major, I'm assuming the next major would not be by ESL, that Forsaken can play that? And as I'm very much mistaken, because he still doesn't have a VAC ban while Steel can't. Oh, yeah. How fucking oh, that is true. Is that? That, that is so stupid. Yeah, because ESIC gave a five-year ban, but I think DreamHack mm -hmm. and ESL are under ESIC, but not, let's say, not Face It, nor E-League, right. nor... If Starletter gets it, for example, like, he can technically play there and Steel can't. Mm -hmm. So, what the fuck, right? I think that's actually an uh, interesting discussion to have, because when you get... Obviously, when you get a VAC ban, you, you're just done in general, but when you're detected by, like, a third-party anti-sheet, like... I don't know, to the ESEA NCT or the face it one or whichever one it is, then you can still play in all the other tournaments for some reason. And I mean, we clearly know that Forsaken has been cheating in this instance, but if another player cheats on in face it, he could still play in ESL tournaments. Isn't yep. that a bit ridiculous? Like, shouldn't there be some sort of ruling I there? I think DK made a tweet, which uh, I think explained very well, where let's say I'm a TO and like, you know, uh, let's say I do a tournament and there's a guy who has a ban on ESC or Face It, right? I obviously don't have the proof that they have. And even if I asked them, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be giving it to me or if they give it to each other, right? And if you don't have that, I think in EU, there there are, have been instances where players have tried to sue certain tournament organizers or companies saying like, you know, why would you ban me based on evidence which you don't possess, which is true, right? So I could kind of guess, kind of get why uh, TOs wouldn't want to ban uh, players who are banned on a different platform. At the same time, like it's a pretty shitty scenario because obviously VAC isn't obviously good enough. It's done a great job recently, but it's obviously not good enough to catch cheats, some of the newer private cheats and whatnot. And yeah, it's basically a very messy situation, right? Uh, we need to kind of like have all the top cheat and the cheat developers kind of like got it together and share the resources and make something happen. But we all kind of know that's not going to happen as well. So it's right. kind of like a catch 22 situation here. I mean, it's one thing when you're talking about, you know, face it versus CSL versus stream hack, blah, blah, blah. But if we're talking about a major, I definitely feel like valve should step in and do something. If someone has been banned by a third party, whether I don't know exactly like if they could if there would be an issue with them, with Valve getting intel into third party and cheat uh, like evidence, I guess. But you'd feel like they mm, should yeah. be able to do something in that situation, for the majors at least. From, from what I know, though, I think at least like from all the, from what I've heard at least, uh, from what I know is like the ESC guys and even Face It and other you know, third party anti-cheat developers, they do share some of the newer cheats, whatever they find with Valve, right? So one would expect, like just taking this forsaken case an example, that once they found a cheats, the, the Extremes Lands guys or even the ESL India guys would have sent those cheats over to Valve for them to, you know, check and do whatnot. And they should, you know, retroactively ban him and give him a VAC ban, right? Uh, if they do that, that, that should be good enough. But I don't think they... I haven't really heard many instances of that happening. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a murky situation. I mean, we saw Simple have an ESL ban in the past where he couldn't play ESL majors, but he could play all the other ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't what know what, do. what exactly you would do about that. It's, I mean, yeah, go on. It's an interesting, it's an interesting but it's just like, I mean... That's where it gets kind of murky, and that's where you think, oh, franchising. That's what I know would miss. Oh, franchising. Uh, right? The magical solution. So, 
then again, if you did have more of a structure, I guess, if you had like, say, you know, more cooperation between developed term organizers, you wouldn't have so many issues. But then again, pipe. So one man can dream, right? A man can dream, but yeah. But um, a man can also dream about going to I am Chicago or Dream at Atlanta because some men like Config can dream about going to Chicago, but he won't be going to Chicago because <laughs> fortunately he lost online to LDLC. They beat Vitality, the arguably better French-speaking team because LDLC aren't technically a French team per se, but LDLC and Vitality respectively went to, are going to Chicago and they're going to Atlanta. So happy to go back to back as J Mac Atlanta champs. Let's go. And uh, LDLC came out of arguably nowhere, um, where we see them now performing at a decent level online, at least. And uh, what do we attribute that to? Mygen, um, how do you feel about LDLC doing so well? Uh, I'm not particularly a big fan of LDLC, so to say. I I really I, I like Amanek. I think he's a good player, especially. You know, in these online situations, I don't know too much to be honest about Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Alex is all right. And then the two last players, Devadivek and Tuanu, I'm not particularly a fan of those guys. I think Tuanu is he's one of those players where people will say he's inconsistent on the op, but I think he's just not really that good. I think it's kind of a situation where the, in the third tier of France, you don't really have another orbit that you can put into the team, so you, they just kind of put him in. There's a reason he hasn't really made it to the top of the French scene ever. And then David Vec, he's one of those guys that people bring up, oh, why don't Vitality or T2 try out David Vec in their teams? And I just I just don't really see what's what people see in David Vec. But, I mean... Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Uh, he, even even when he was in Misfits, I don't think I think that team was mainly based around Amanek and Shazam being the being the carry players, and obviously the tactical system of Sean Gares was obviously a big factor there. So I don't really see this LDLC team doing anything when it comes to the land in I am Chicago, especially considering there's so many good teams there. So they're going to have a really difficult time. But hopefully Amanek can show himself and maybe get earn himself a contract with a better team if he performs really well. I think this team needs Sixer, to be honest. Sixer? In or what devil. way do they need Sixer? Yeah. <laughs> or Devil. I'm just kidding. Devil. Remember him? What happened to him? Like, I don't understand. Devil, Sixer. Yeah, the three piece on Mirage. And... That was it. <laughs> that was it. Um, I think it's interesting for Vitality that they weren't able to be Optic online and then LDLC were, I guess, because maybe Vitality haven't practiced as much. But, like, it's weird that LDLC with Extends did nothing they made like one notable land dream i remember dreamhack denver and that i watched mm-hmm. them play a best of three that might have been the worst best of three i've watched in my entire life like it was <laughs> so boring it was so bad i never want to watch that again like i don't want to think about it i just shudder because the lighting at dreamhack denver was bad as well so it's just i remember like it was a dark area and there's like 20 people in the crowd and it was just like ldlc playing some just horrible cs i'm just like why am i watching this and i'm like well I have nothing better to do apparently except watch trash teams. I mean, it's better watching demo, I guess. But you know, Mate, have you watched watcher. G two recently? I have. They looked better than that. Trust me, it was literally disgusting. So it's uh, funny how Extends leaves this team, and they've somehow done better 
At least whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, stop, 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 I didn't stop, stop. Oh, stop. God. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you here because when Existence was on this scene, they did not have Amanek and David Beck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, David Beck is whatever, but they didn't have Amanek, which is a pretty fucking big deal when it comes to this team. When back when Existence was on the team, I believe they had Maniac in the team, and yeah. who was the, the other guy? Yeah, Devil. I mean, that is in no way the same amount of firepower. That is not even close. Cool. So he had to deal with like having Alex and Tuano as his star players. I think he did a really good job, all things considered, in that team. I'm just saying, G2 has gotten worse since he's gotten there. LDLC have gotten better since he left. I'm not saying there's correlation. I'm not saying causation equals correlation. I'm just saying I'm not a trend. That's all. I'm just saying that LDLC have qualified for more events than G2. I am technical. And optic, technical. Well, almost optic, because optic doesn't qualify for. Every week we talk about those two teams because it just boils my blood. Everything boils your Please tell us your feelings, miss. Uh, tell them every week. I'm not getting into this rampage about G2 again. Oh, they're the best team in the world. Ask uh, Dualism. Yeah, just kick smarts. Let's get your thoughts on the French scene. <laughs> there is no oh. thoughts, man. It's better than the Asian scene, so yeah. Um, <laughs> easily better than the Asian scene. All right, here's the thing. LDLT are going to get banged out. Uh, let's go. Oh yeah, they're gonna get land on a land. Uh, they they've beaten a few teams here and there. They've beaten some of the tier two teams, but those are the tier two teams who themselves struggle, right? They are kind of like oscillating at the bottom of tier two and the top of tier three. To be very honest, like uh, that's about it, right? They're gonna be facing against teams of a much higher caliber. G two seem completely lost right now. You know, I don't think existence is even calling is he? Like it seems to be kind of very murky right now. I think Shoxy was calling at one point or something. Uh, really? I don't see. Oh, I don't God. see his system. They say existence was calling, but uh, is he really calling? It looks like a very different style of play style from any team he's uh, he's been a part of in the past, right? Uh, I remember seeing an interview as well. This is like a month back, though, so I'm not too sure if that's changed. But yeah, the, I mean, the thing is, G2 are looking pretty crappy. Vitality, yeah, look very promising, right? Like a lot of hype behind it and everything, but it's all gonna, I think. Uh, come down to is Zaiwu legit? Like, is he the real deal? He's looked insane online, you know, in FPL and whatnot. And everyone said it. I, th- I think it was uh, Get Right who, who told me, he's like, I've never seen anyone play like that in my life. That's what he said. And I'm like, okay, well, that's high praise, right? But so far from what I've seen, he he's okay. He's, he's good. He's decent. But he still hasn't really shown much and a lot is going to depend on if he is going to be the star player that vitality hope him to be like is he going to be the next ken yes is going to be the next shoxy i think that's gonna uh, decide how that team's going to fare because if you look at the rest of the other players in that team you know i mean there is a potential but i'm not completely sold on that team either so yeah uh the french scene is weird let's put it that way the French yeah. scene is definitely weird. <laughs> that is, uh... Every guest we've had on here has said the French scene is weird, practically. Yeah. It was Anders, Thorne, doesn't matter who. And it just put sucks, it. right? And it just sucks. It's not like in China where like you have all these orgs like tying you down. It's nothing like that. There is a talent there. You have uh, players like Yoshima who doesn't even have a team. Screams in the wild as oh. well. Uh, you know, right? I mean, oh. look, that's the thing. We don't know why they're not being picked up. We don't know why these guys are not in a Vitality or in a G2. They have all these, you know, the the the, the politics and all the personal relationships and all of that. But I kind of wish, you know, someone came in with a 
shit ton of money and just said, you know what? I want you, 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 you. We're going to make a super team. I don't give a shit about anything else. And I think we could easily see a team that could be top three in the world. And it's just depressing seeing all this talent just like spread thin. Yeah. Oh, for oh, yeah. sure. But like, I, I talked to Ost a lot at uh, New York and he, like he said, it's French players is mafia. And so it's like, it's hard to deal with them unless you take them and just say, look, this is what I want from you. No, this is what do this for me. And he, he said, he's tried, like he's had meetings, everything. He's trying to like, but it's like, there's a lot of politics, like you say. And like some players want to play with this player, that player want to play with that player. So in shocks has to have his boyfriend Smith. So it's like, it's hard to really like, you know, work with all these different little intricacies here. So, um, Unfortunately, that's that's what the French scene is right now. And like G2, they could probably be they're the one org in CSGO that could say, all right, we have the money. Here's we'll pay you. Just join up and make make West win. And but they French players are like, no, 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 no. I need this, 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 and that. And so that's that's uh, that's unfortunately what the T is right there is. But unfortunately, that's enough for the French scene because like that just. It boils my blood. But just to see all that talent go to waste, like Zavu and all of them, and or like happy, like why is happy on Vitality? Why why is I mean RPK makes sense, but happy and you have Kiyoshima, an actual support player, or like Scream unavailable. Yeah. I don't I don't whereas now we have Scream, Kiyoshima, XMS, who I thought was retired, but I guess not. Michaelele and Nokia. <laughs> they actually played pretty decently in the uh I was watching that game against Vitality. They almost pulled off the win. Of course, Vitality finally closed out at 16-14 against this lineup, like Michael Lelix, Miss Nuki, Screen oh. Kishima. I don't know, man. I just... Astralis is the only team that makes sense yeah. right now. <laughs> You're not wrong, because, like, Liquid definitely should make sense, but they don't win anything when they should win things. So, by definition, they don't make sense. And then Na'Vi, either they're gods or they're bots. And so it's like... There's really not much yeah. consistency, even. Even in the mid tier team. FaZe, it's another one. Should yeah, be winning. FaZe, yeah, uh, doesn't make sense. Counter Strike doesn't make sense anymore to me. Astralis <laughs> is the only team that uh, is kind of like, you know, stands aside, apart from the uh, entire simulation. Everything yeah. else doesn't make sense. Oh, simulation. Oh, no. Andrew's got it to you. Oh, I mean, speaking, speaking of that game, you were talking about the left out against Vitality game. I watched that game as well. And one thing that I noticed in the get game that I saw that was pretty worrying to me, even though it's just one game, is that at one point, Saibu was having one of those rare bad games for him, oh, like man. online. And at one point, he just stopped orping and they gave the orp over to Apex for a few rounds. And I was, yeah. saw that and I was like, what the hell is going on there? <laughs> Luckily, he got it back later and he started, you know, fragging a little bit. But I mean, it, if it takes that. If it if that's what it takes to get the orb of a Saibu is that he performs a little bit bad in an online game against Left Out. Oh my god, this team is in for a rough time. It's worse than Kusa. That's true. Uh, hopefully, I mean, uh, I still have like I'm kind of an optimist. I'm still gonna wait and see how this one plays out. It's still too early, right. uh, but I think Saibu could be the real deal. Just it's a, it's a matter of time, right? But I do agree. Like uh, the choice of having happy instead of a Kiyoshima, like you know, these personal decisions are kind of the reason we're not able to see the you know a super team, so to speak. But yeah, that's a French scene, scene like just depressing at times. Yeah, let's not talk anymore about that. Yeah, now let's transition to the uh, Q and A. So we have some people in the Discord. Um, um, so we have people in the Discord asking questions for our guest here, 
And so the first one we're going to have is from Presto. He said, outside of Tyloo, who do you think are some of the best Asian teams and who do you think have potential to beat Renegades at the next Asia Minor? Uh, none. <laughs> Looking at the, the way Renegades are playing right now, probably uh, they're looking really good at least online right sure. um tyler are good but they look a little shaky of late. they seem to they seem to plateau out and i've been expecting to plateau a long time back but what's worrying is they're also losing to their domestic competition like teams like cybersen who really really struggled that straw series uh the only player who was kind of looking good was bottle we have flash gaming we have bg gaming all pretty decent i think the second best team right now in asia is mvp pk but I don't think they have what it takes to like consistently beat teams or whatnot. They just don't have the sheer firepower, right? They have a pretty decent structure. They have you know players like Zine and Minixita, Minizita. Uh, apart from that, like if you look at Solo and Glow and Zeph, the sorry Solo, yeah, Glow and Zeph, they're, they're pretty decent. I mean, the legends in their own right, but uh, I think the time's kind of passed. But impressive that they're a second best team despite having such you know old players like veterans in the scene, right? Uh, but right now, looking at the I am the the miners coming up, I think Renegades are going to take it with their eyes closed. I don't I don't even see unless MVP just go for like a crazy run. I don't see any Asian mm -hmm. team qualifying this time around. I think it's going to be two Australian teams qualifying for the uh, oh the early challenger stage. I'll be honest. Yeah. Wow. That's... So what Australian team besides Renegades you see going up? Uh, Greyhound. I think Greyhound have what it takes. Uh, sure, there, there was you know, after the uh, you know after they had the two players getting like gratification and all getting picked up by by Renegades. It kind of threw the scene into. I wouldn't say it kind of messed them up real crazy because obviously now the certain scene looks much better than once upon a time where it was only immunity and every time renegades needed a needed a new player to just like pick up someone from immunity. But now they have you know, a more solid scene. They have uh, Tainted Minds who picked up a Steelo, I think recently. Then you have um, Chiefs, who have kind of fallen off, to be very honest. But then you have Greyhound, Mr. Big Dick Stacy, and Co., <laughs> and uh, a couple other teams. I think, yeah, I think Greyhound and even Order, they have what it takes to be better than any Asian team right now. It's just that when they, the problem with most of the other Australian teams, apart from Renegades, uh, apart from Aza and, you know, JKS, who've obviously been playing against the Asian teams for a long time. Are right. that the other Australian teams, although I feel as a unit they're better and they might even have the the individual skill to take on the likes of a Tailu or of an MVP PK or all these other Asian teams, they seem to kind of get intimidated by just the sheer randomness and the mm -hmm. sheer ballsiness of the Asian uh, players. So as long as they don't get, you know, they don't just like play themselves, I think they should take it. I, I I'm pretty, I'm calling it right now. Two Aussie teams making it to the uh, to the next stage. Just one note there. I think I'm pretty sure Chiefs has Tux or Innis on there. I'm pretty sure one of those two are back. I think Tux, uh, both of them, but but both. Tux left the team right now. I think he is a free agent, but they still have another player who's uh, who has a back account, so they can't play. But yeah, but Tainted Minds, Order, and Greyhound, I think, are more than uh, capable of taking most of the Asian teams. So you also have no faith, I guess, in like the Middle East. I'm pretty sure they go into the Asia Minor. So. Um... Think. they're good like uh they're good like one team at least it would be nasser they've looked pretty right. solid they right they had a pretty deep run havoc's team yeah uh they're pretty good 
that's the thing. They're, they're pretty good. So is CyberZen. So are VG Gaming. But when it really comes down to the playoffs, the best of threes in a tournament that actually matters, which is not just a nation mm-hmm. or a regional tournament, these guys usually fall apart, right? They might have a close map. They might be able to take a map off uh, Renegades or the other Australian teams. But I don't think there's anything that really stands out. And now with Tyloo no longer there, it's pretty much open season. And this is something <laughs> that the uh, the Aussie teams... That's the thing. Uh Almost every Asian minor has been Renegades and Tyloo. Not every one of them, in fact. And the third place has always been Aussie team, who just gets completely shit on by Tyloo. Right now, Tyloo's yeah. not there. It just, now's your chance. Grab it. Take it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I guess, like, I don't think uh, the Japanese team are going to make any time soon, right? No, no, nothing soon. They they had a roster change, and they've just looked completely uh, lost right now. I mean, they can still beat, like, the tier to tier three Asian teams, but they were struggling against even like, you know, the top four, top five Chinese teams, for example. So I think they've kind of fallen off here. So um, what about the Mongolian team? Like there was, you said that the Mongols was a decent team back in the day. Well, last year, uh, I guess, or earlier this year. But... Yeah, I mean, Mongols were, I mean, you had, you know, Machine Gun and Zilkenberg, like, right. completely destroy Renegades, like, what, three years back or something. But yeah. things are just uh, falling apart for that team. I think Zilk's no longer playing. Machine Gun's in a, in a mixed Filipino team. Don't know what's happening oh, there. Wow. Uh, the teams now, I think the Mongols are now called Storm Riders or something. A Chinese orc picked them up. Uh, they still have a couple of players from the original lineup, like NCL and Sogu, I think. But most of them are pretty new players. Uh, so it's a very different Mongols lineup. I don't see them doing much either. So basically, if you're talking about like top five Asian teams right now, obviously Tyloo, then have MVP mm-hmm. PK, then you have uh, CyberZen. They're looking pretty solid right now. I think they qualified for the uh, the playoffs for the, uh, the Pro League spot as well. Then you have Vici, you have Flash, and maybe I'll just throw in Boot Dreamscape from Singapore, who've always kind of been like a top three, top four team in Asia. So that's about it. And none of them are very special, to be honest. I think Greyhound should have no trouble beating any one of them. I can agree with that. Like, Boot Dream is interesting because, like, I always see them like events. I'm like, why not a Boot Dream make it over like Tyler or something? But they'll find a way to win an online qualifier and then, like, not too well the event. But at least they do make it there. So they get some experience. So, I mean, there's, there's that for the name, I guess. But... For Dreamscape, yeah. For Boot, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. They've always only struggled against Tyloo. And if you speak yeah. to these guys, right, like they have DSN coaching them and their main coach is a guy called Alex, an old school uh, source 1.6 player from from Singapore. They know the game. They're one of the few teams in players and teams in Asia where I talk to them and like impression the in-game leader and they understand the game. They know how to approach it. You know, they have the comms, have everything except they're worse than liquid when it comes to choking when it matters. They are horrendous when it comes to choking. You can ask them. <laughs> I believe you on that one. So um, then we have, next question. With the CS scene being ran by Astralis at the moment, who do you see stepping up and shutting them down? And, and or if no one shuts them down, what changes can be made to teams to make them be able to play against the teams of Astralis? Um, I've actually thought about this. I don't think there's any team right now who can beat them, right? You need to have like a super hardcore counter game style uh, to take them on, like something like what North did at the uh, at DreamHack in order to take them. And you need to be, and every one of your players need to be playing at, you know, the game of your lives while Astralis need to have like a normal day. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the, that's what you need. And you probably need either Dupree or Device or Zipnix will never have a bad day. So maybe Device and Dupree need to have kind of an off day for you to beat them. So I don't see any team right now beating them. Not a Liquid, not Navi, not mm. Phase, no one. 
But if you want to beat them, I, I don't think that, that team exists right now. But a couple of lineup changes here and there could potentially click. Like FaZe, for example, they still have a firepower. I mean, you look at Olaf, you look at Rain, you look at freaking, you know, Nico oh. and Guardian, right? Um, I think, I don't know, like Caravan's still in the team. But maybe another new fragging in-game leader could, you know, make it work. I don't know, right? But something like that, a change like that over there. Uh, Liquid to probably grow a pair of balls and, you know, start living up to their, <laughs> living up to what they can really achieve. I really believe in this team. I really think this team could do wonders, right? They could be up there with Astralis, but something is just holding them back. I don't know what it is. You need to, they need to fix that. Or even Navi, maybe a lot of change here and there. Maybe remove Edward, right? Pick up, uh, pick up a Hobbit, maybe. Uh, something of that nature. I, I think that could be uh, what really makes that team an Astralis killer. But right now, for what we have here, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's any team can beat them. Not right now. Not in, not till the end of the year, at least. I think one team that, might have a chance if they get their shit together. It would be MIBR. We kind of saw mm -hmm. it at, at Blast Istanbul in that final. It was actually quite a close series. I think what you need to beat Astralis, which we've also seen with Navi in the past when they beat them at Cologne, is obviously you need insane firepower to kind of match up to them. But then you need to, uh, one way to beat them is how to have this aggressive, in-your-face style especially on the CT side, where while Astralis are setting up for these amazing executes that they do all the time with these tactics, what Navi did is they basically, you know, we're going to push Banana on CT, on Inferno. We're going to push uh, apartments. We're going to, you know, get out there and, and hit you and take that duel against you before you execute. And I think a team like MIBR, if they really got everything working with Cold Serum, with fallen with getting fur maybe back into form a little bit i think they're a team which has the potential i mean obviously it's an ideal scenario where mibr gets everything working that's a that's a big question mark but i think i think they have the potential to to challenge them at least in a series or two that's true i actually haven't seen uh much of them after after blast pro i don't think they played any right but yeah, I, I do agree that they're a team who kind of like slipped my mind here because I haven't seen them play like recently. But yeah, with Yanko at the helmet, I mean, the, the guy knows what he does, right? The guy knows mm -hmm. Counter Strike. So with him at the helm, with Fallen uh, kind of unleashed, they do have the firepower. And yeah, I agree. Maybe, may, maybe MIBR, but I don't think it's going to be consistent. That's the thing. They can pull off a win. They can win a best of three against Astralis when they face off against each other. But I'm talking about a team who can dethrone Astralis in the number one spot. And I don't think even this MIBR right now, even if you give them a couple of months, I don't think they will have done enough work to really, you know, earn the title to be the best team in the world. They can be. I don't think they're going to be consistent either because yeah. Yeah. they just haven't shown any signs of consistency. Like Fallen will be good one day and then he won't be good the next day. And then Cold Zero is good, but he's not as good as I think without Taco. And then Tarek is a mixed bag. Same with Stewie. Fur hasn't been himself for the past half a year. So I hate to see it. But um, the next question we have, what hurdles do they, from Myrtle, what, what hurdles do the Asian scene face besides the recent cheating scandal to inch closer to the rest of the world in CS? Um, 
I don't. Th- I'll be honest. I don't think this cheating scandal is going to be that big a deal. I think everyone's kind of like uh, you know overstating its impact on the scene. Firstly, it's not going to affect Asia as as a you know as a region. It will affect India uh, from the side from the aspect that if this Optic India project had worked out, we could have potentially seen more orgs come into the market because they're like, hey, it's a it's an untapped market. Esports might explode over there. Optics there, they're doing good. Maybe we could come in. Maybe Cloud9 could have come in. You know, maybe, I don't know, some of the other orgs would have come in. Maybe Noah would be like, hey, let's open up MII, whatever, Made in India, something like that. They could have done something. And that's always great, right? That enables teams to start to, uh, you know, uh, sorry, players start playing under an actual organization and we could see that optic team once they had with the boot camp and all the the structure behind it and with an eu you know in-game leader they were looking pretty solid all yeah. things considered right so that unfortunately i don't think is going to happen anytime soon but at the same time i've heard rumors that a couple of the teams who are salaried in the region are looking to pick up some eu in-game leaders Maybe they might pick up YB from Optic. Maybe they might pick up someone else. Maybe they might get a couple of coaches, you know, some of the more like the tier two EU, tier three uh, EU coaches, because they saw that that actually works. You know, that's all they need. Because uh, some of these players are pretty talented. Some of the players in uh, like a squad like Entity Gaming, who were before Optic came to the scene, before Forsaken started, you know, hacking his way through it, they were the best team in the in the country right so maybe so at least that's opened up the uh, open to people's minds that maybe getting in place from outside might really help you know give the this transfer information kind of thing going uh, in the in the region and might really help out the entire country as a whole so that's uh, kind of silver lining there but yeah i don't see any other orcs coming in in the recent in, in the foreseeable future so that's the only big loss we have uh of course, the memes are going to be there for a while, right? Like Clara and whatnot. And no one's really going to forget that. But it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. People aren't laughing at the region or the country or whatever. They're laughing at that player, the one guy who fucked everything up. He's yeah. to blame no one else, right? Uh, sure, many people, there were a lot of oversights. People, some people didn't do their due diligence and whatnot. But all things considered, it, it was him at fault, no one else. So it's okay. It's not like everything's gone to shit. DreamHack, uh, DreamHack India Invitational, there's a DreamHack Festival happening in India. I think it's the first DreamHack event in Asia right. happening ever. That's a cool thing. Uh, and then you have all the other smaller events happening all together. So yeah, all things considered, people are getting... It was obviously gutting. It was obviously shocking, right? When people have so much hope behind a team and just to get you know, kicked in the face because of that, it's going to be uh, a little emotional. But once you look beyond the emotions, realize that it's okay. You know, you'll move on. It's fine. So apart from, you know, I don't see any teams investing, uh, orgs investing into teams in the near future. But apart from that, I think everything else will kind of carry on, right? Mm-hmm. Generally in Asia, in CSGO, I don't know, man. <laughs> I've been asked this so many times, but... I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think, um, like, even Tai Lu, even Tai Lu, like, there might be, you know, potential top 20 team. They're a top 20 team right now around the world, but they still have their issues with their comms and whatnot. Um, I think the right step would be to get in EU players, um, one or two EU players. Now, it doesn't have to be like a tier one player or something like that. Get in a couple of guys and start teaching some of these guys because some of these teams are really really good aimers they're very sharp and very gifted mechanically just don't understand the game as to how it's supposed to be played from you know from a team perspective and if you get a couple of coaches and uh, players in game leaders in there maybe that might be the the catalyst that's required Uh, but then again they need to speak english so i don't know it's possible i mean i 
I think that's funny how the whole time like their communication, like how the whole calling Bentec calls in one language and then other people talk another language. It's woof. That's something else. And how their whole style works just because of how they play, and that's just it's an own ball of wax. It's special, but it's beautiful in its own little way. But I don't know. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I was watching, I think they were playing Greyhound. I think it might have been at uh, I am Sydney. I think it was like it was an Asian team versus an Australian team, is what I remember. And Mm -hmm. it was rough. Like they were the one team, the Asian team would always like rotate very fast. It was on Inferno. And the seats they're on CT side, they'd always rotate like pretty much instantly. Like they would see one flashbang at like A site and they go two guys on B, rotate right to CT. And then the Australian team would go to B. Throw all their smokes to utility. They're like, why is nobody here? I take the site, but they gave other CTs a lot of time to like re-rotate back, and it was just like it was a mess, and I just couldn't watch. It was almost hard to watch, but then again, the aim fights were pretty fun to watch. So, trade-offs, right? <laughs> pretty much, right? Like that's the thing. It's it's fun to watch Asian CS, but then when you really like, you know, I'm lying in bed and thinking about a future to see, and that's when I get depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah fucking shits yes at the end of the day um but yeah i, I mean I, I think there is hope there is potential like teams yeah. like mvp pk and even even like like people that play as like ben ted and exgrid mm-hmm. right down the line like let's say four or five years down the line once csgo dies or maybe a new version of cs comes out hopefully it does mm-hmm. come out then these players will be rearing the new breed of younger players right so right. it doesn't really go to waste. so I, I, i'm an optimist deep down side so yeah Fair. I mean, I think the most important thing for me, I guess, for for the Asian scene would be like having tier top tier lands and having top teams play, and then having also Asian teams at those lands so they can get more experience because it's all about experience, right? So you have a lot True. of people that aren't experienced or even have experience against Asian teams, but playing against European teams is a whole different ball of wax. So like like a, um like you have like Toyota Masters, Bangkok, and Thailand, which is a decent start. You have a couple of like heroic Kingwin, some like tier two teams from EU. You have the PLG Grand Slam. That's in the UAE, to be fair. Yep. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not too far off, I guess. I'm sure they'll have uh, Nasser will be there probably because they're yep. like, you know, the UAE team. And so, but the more of those you have, like you said, I think DreamHack, I think it was Mumbai, it might have been. I yep. forget yep. where Dream. Yeah. Okay. So stuff like that is very important for the scene because then you have sponsors getting involved and you have like people saying, oh, this is cool. And then you have more interest in the scene. And so that's. Yeah, I I agree. And just to add to that, uh, would be when I was in IM Shanghai, I was very right. very surprised at the turnout that uh, happened over there. Like the VP players are getting mobbed by oh, by really? the crowd. They were getting mobbed. Like they had to get bodyguards for day two and day three. Like the talent and and all the players were surrounded by bodyguards. It's like massive. Like guys in tuxedos, like kind of like suits. Sorry, leading us out from the venue and all that. Um, and I and right before that was the the perfect world event, which uh, was done right. by PGL, right? The China, mm-hmm. the CSGO Asia Championship, yeah, CSC. And even that was packed, like the full. Yeah. It wasn't like like ten thousand people, but a couple of thousand mm-hmm. people is pretty good. So I think uh, more than just having Asian team tournaments, it'd be great to have full fledged like two hundred thousand, three thousand dollar events where you have you know Faze or Navi or you know all the Australis playing in China, because mm-hmm. if that can capture the imagination of the region because there are a lot of players over there um that could kind of lead to uh, kind of for like a resurgence for uh chinese cs and looking at the sheer number of people in china that itself could you know kind of help csgo as a whole not just you know 
not just CSGO in Asia, but CSGO around the world globally, because China is massive. And right. if you look at games like PUBG, it literally is a thing because wow. of China, right? So hopefully we see more events like that. We'll love to. And then one last question, less, less, less serious. Um, we have from Tea Time. Why won't you ever cast with me? Because <laughs> uh, I don't cast anymore that often. Like, uh, uh, Tea Time is not, it's not about you. It's just the fact that I don't, just don't cast much. Or I'd, rather, I don't get many gigs, uh, generally right. speaking. All, although I start off as a play-by-play caster uh, mm-hmm. for mostly Asian events. Most of the events who hire me, like Starladder or DreamHack or all the like you know face it or esl all these guys they get me primarily uh for the asian teams you know as an analyst or for the dreamhack opens they get me as an analyst as well uh mm-hmm. for you know some of the tier 2 eu teams and i'll take it obviously but obviously i don't really get too many casting opportunities in fact i don't think i've had a single international uh casting gig ever so sorry tea time well, that's always worth a shot, right? So um, what is your future looking like then for like, what do you plan on doing in like CS in the near future? Um, I was, I'd actually plan to like, you know, take a step back from casting like early this year, uh, like doing talent work. Cause obviously for me, it's like, I, I do a lot of local events and like online, like casting qualifiers and the minors and all that. But obviously, uh, you know, considering I'm from India, it's hard to uh, really get invited for most events, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of break the stereotype, so to speak, that, hey, you know what, he knows Asian teams, but does he really know the EU teams or NA teams? And I don't blame the the TOs, obviously, because, you know, you got to fly me down. And obviously, with my passport, I need to apply for a visa and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it was late last year where, you know, Starladder and then DreamHack started taking a chance with me with some of the, uh, their open events and all that, but where we had, like, teams like North, like Kingwin and all these guys. And uh, it's been looking pretty decent so far, uh, at least this year, right? So I've kind of started grinding again. Have a few events before the year ends. Uh, yeah, and let's see how that goes. You know, looking to grind, looking to get the uh, the opportunity to grind events and uh, continue talking about this game we all love. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, good luck, of course, with uh, the rest of your 2018. And uh, for all you for the scene, I hope the Indian scene can recover for sure. I'm saying I'm sure the Asian scene will be just fine. With uh, hopefully they can have one team make it out of the minor this year. We'll see. But uh, maybe it's all still the way. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Um, next week, we'll have another guest as well. Uh, always stay tuned to the Twitter. Some cool stuff we're talking about this week. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, cheers. Thank you for having me.